Okay, kids, it is Friday morning, February 4th. I actually slept pretty well last night. Um, I guess having children not climb up and step on my face um, is good for sleeping. So, pretty good. Hung out with one of my nieces yesterday. It was really nice. She's really sweet. Never really get one-on-one -on -one time with my nieces because they're all grown up. Then when I was younger, I didn't really have a chance because you know, everything going on in my life, and they're little kids. They don't want to spend time with a little like a young man. That doesn't make any sense. So it was, it was nice. Nice. We had we had uh, fun. We had some laughs, and then, then I went home, or I went back to the hotel and slept. So so I'm right now. Where are we? We're in Judges. I want to say Judges nine. Judges nine. Let's see. I got my toothbrush, darn it. I gotta go uh, to a drugstore and get a toothbrush. Because, <clears throat> you know, I should have something to drink. Maybe I should make some coffee. Let's see. Let's see. We're gonna be talking about Abimelech today. I wonder if we'll get to Samson. I mean, he's the most famous of the judges. Jeff to Ephraim. I don't think so. Not today. No, we're gonna get right before Samson. Let's see. Uh, I never understand these these little miniature carriages they have in these hotel rooms. How do you do this? It's like this weird logic puzzle that I always fail at. Okay, water only, but how do you open it? Oh, there we go. I'm not gonna... Some... Oh, Green Mountain. It's actually my favorite, my favorite coffee in these Keurigs. But I take the uh, caramel vanilla, which there are a ton of compliments on. So, luckily the, this place has a fridge, which is nice. The Holiday Express, it's actually a pretty nice place. I think I stated one of these when I was sitting for the bar exam. Pretty sure that's what where we were. That was a that was an interesting time. Oh. Well, there's the fill level. With almost one it's just a one cup Keurig. That's kind of boring. Messages. Hmm. Uh, it's like people know when I'm <laughs> when I'm a uh, what's it called? Wait. Okay, so do that. Press to open. Let's see. A lot of decaf. What's the point? Light and medium, medium. Like that, close that, hit brew, I guess. All right, we'll see, we'll see. <sighs> oh gosh. All right, so, just log in my computer. 
All right, sorry, all this errant noise and, oh boy. Oh, let's see, you know, I'm gonna have to pause it. Who's calling? All right, well, <clears throat> I need to leave actually, but uh, I'll be back. I'll let you know what's going on today. We're like doing a lot of buying stuff for my dad's funeral today and figuring out, coordinating with my youngest sister what to do and so love you kids and i'm gonna see you guys later i don't think you guys are going to school today i think your mom's taking you guys out today and that noise in the background is the coffee that i'm gonna try and drink we'll see how it works let's see if i anyways it smells good all right well next time uh i'll record we'll be uh reading judges Nine. We'll be reading about Abimelech, but we're not going to go to Samson on this this podcast. I think Samson deserves his own block of a podcast. It's got it's a fascinating story, and uh, there's a lot of um. Oh my good lord! There's so many lessons to be learned, especially you boys, which I'm I'm gonna inundate you with those lessons anyways. So, love you, and I'm gonna see you guys in my time. I'm gonna see you guys in about. A few hours in your time, it'll be immediate. So, love you. Okay, I'm back. That's one heck of a time at it. Um, we, uh, what's happened since since the um, since I hit pause? I think I, I think I hit pause Thursday night, and I uh, told you I'd come back and I didn't and now it's Monday. It is um it's a warm day over here so so a lot has happened since let me see if this is even gonna work. Um I went to my dad's house that morning. That's my so I'm right now. Um, how much is that cash? Not much. Me and my youngest of my older sisters and my middle of my older sisters um, prepped uh, the funeral. We had the funeral on Saturday. I'll talk about it in a little bit. And Sunday we went back over to stepmom's house. It's hard to call her that. Just call her Nana. My, they called my dad Papa. Nana and Papa. Uh, on Sunday we went over just for a little bit. We don't want to bother. I feel like we're bothering her, you know. But we asked her if she wanted to go out to eat. And we promised you kids Olive Garden. It's like the weirdest promise. We promised to take you guys to Olive Garden because you guys um, were pretty phenomenal the weekend before and you guys earned your votes and I have me and your mom came up with this policy that you all get one vote but me and your mom get one and a half so in order to overrule us but only like we want to go out to eat like no big decisions but who want to go out to eat and you kids all are of the same opinion guess what if you all have votes you get to choose it's a very rare occurrence for all four of you kids to have votes you, you have to do so many things throughout the week. And we, when we mark it, your mom's been so good about marking the work. I mean, anything from, like, clearing your plates to getting ready on time, all that stuff. 
So we felt bad we couldn't give you guys Olive Garden. So we invited Nana out. And she said, it's just the most heartbreaking thing. She says, well, I don't have any other plans. That's just like, uh, it's like a punch in the gut because her whole life was taking care of my dad. So, so we took her out and then uh, that was just wonderful. She was just able to concentrate on her. And you know, it's hard because she spent so much time taking care of my dad that she didn't have a lot of time for herself. She's so selfless. She's so selfless. Just a wonderful human. Just one of the nicest there is. So, I have to stop saying so. I start sentences. The funeral was really hard. A lot of people showed up. A lot of people that knew my dad when, when he lived in this retirement community already. And it is a retirement community. Oh, I'm not answering this phone. Um, so many people trying to call me. It's... You can't even buy a house unless you're 55 or older. It's a retirement community. Funeral was hard. It was hard. Not all four of us were there. My my oldest sister, uh, your aunt, she decided not to go because her um, new grandbaby was sick and her daughter was sick and and she had to take. She felt like she compelled to take care of them and you know be there and you know it's scary when you have when your, your newborn baby is sick. It's, I mean, it's terrifying the first time. Like, the third, fourth, 18th, 30,000th. It's like, okay, whatever, just sleep. Stop yelling, or, you know. But first time, it's scary. So she stayed back and it hurt her, but... But it's a good lesson. It's, it's a very good lesson for you kids to know. And I, and I hope you really learn this lesson right now. I'm going to tell it to you. Of course it hurt that my sister wasn't there, but... Just because you make a decision that hurts other people doesn't make it the wrong decision. I'm going to say that again because I really want you guys to really digest this. Just because you make a decision that hurts someone, it does not necessarily mean it's the wrong decision. And I think my sister made the right decision. Of course it hurt me. I wanted to be there. I wanted her to be there with us. You know, rarely see my sisters. It's a rarity. So, but, but... You know, thinking of it like a grandpa, which I'm not, I think it was the right decision. Still hurts, though. So, so uh, it was a good, I think it was a good service. I gave the opening prayer. Nana started off by saying some things, and then I went up and I gave a type of eulogy for myself. My sister wanted to wanted all of us to talk about why we were the favorite child which I didn't care for but she wanted it she thought it'd be funny um, I don't need gimmicks to be funny kids you know that but it made people laugh people go to a funeral expecting to mourn and cry but people were laughing it was nice you kids were very well behaved too so I like that so I, I like that a lot um some people were kind of jerks to you kids, but I'm not going to say who, but I will tell you, I, I rarely know them, and I've never thought anything of them. Some people in your life are going to be nothings, and that's fine. You don't have to be friends with everybody. And um, I don't hate people. It takes too much energy. I nothing them. If I see them, oh, yeah, whatever. 
it's a nothing person to me. I'm sure they're very valuable in their circle. They're not even in the realm of being anywhere close to my circle. So, so that being said, I think we're, I think we need to uh, read some more of the Bible. I think we're at, I think we're at uh, Judges five. Excuse me, no. Judges nine. We're gonna go nine through. Uh, where are we gonna go through? Nine through eight. Up to before Sam, like right before Samson, because it's a lot. Nine to twelve. Nine through twelve. We're gonna try and do that. Um, before we begin, I, I, I like to say this morning your mom was in tears because kids were being jerks to her and. And uh, when I was giving my talk about my dad, I talked about my dad's one rule, which I've adopted. You make mom cry, I make you cry. And so your mom was crying today after she dropped you guys off. And so I figured she's going to work crying. I don't want you kids enjoying your day unless you know how I feel. So I went to the school office, and luckily they know me. And I asked the wonderful office worker, LaShonda, I said, hey, can you can you go, um, can you call down for, you know, and I'm going to say that, I'm not going to say the names, but the king and the namesake, because you guys were the culprits. And she said, and she called them down, and I brought you guys in the room. And I said, don't say anything. I'm just going to tell you right now, your mom was crying. And I said, what's my one rule? And you guys repeated it, so you guys know it. And I said, I want you guys to know that I'm very upset with you and the way you treated my wife. I want you to think about that all day long. And we're going we're gonna to go to work when you get home. So today, I just got done going to the grocery store. I bought some cleaning supplies. You guys are going to clean out your grandmother's room so well today. I got gloves, Clorox wipes. I got dusting things. Pledge. It's gonna be. It's gonna be great today. I'm gonna enjoy that. I got a blow my nose or something. I'm like really stuffy. Okay. Sorry. Ugh, the noise. But you know, I, I'm still proud of you guys. You guys are still good kids. I'm just if your mom cries after uh, dealing with you guys, you're gonna know about it. a lot of work it's a lot of work being a parent and your kids will make you cry all right judges chapter 9 abimelech son of jerobal jerobal went to his mother's brothers in shechem and said to them all uh, and said to them and all and to all ugh, his mother's clan Ask all the citizens of Shechem, which is better for you, to have all 70 of Jeroboam's sons rule over you, or just one man? Where am I? Some people keep calling me. Remember, I am your flesh and blood. When the brothers repeated all this to the citizens of Shechem, they were inclined to follow Abimelech, for they uh, said, He is our brother. They gave him 70 shekels of silver, and from the temple of Baal-berith, 
and Abimelech used it to hire reckless adventurers who became his followers. He went to his father's home in Ophrah, and on one stone murdered his 70 brothers, the sons of Jerubel. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubel, escaped by hiding. Then all the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo gathered beside the great tree of the pillar in Shechem to crown Abimelech king. When Jotham was told about this, he climbed up on the top of Mount Gerizim and shouted to them, Listen to me, citizens of Shechem, so that God may listen to you. One day the trees went out to anoint a king for themselves. They said to the olive tree, Be our king. But the olive tree answered, Should I give up my oil, by which both gods and men are honored, to hold sway over the trees? Next the trees said to the fig tree, Come and be our king. But the fig tree replied, Should I give up my fruit, so good and sweet, to hold sway over the trees? Then the tree said to the vine, Come and be our king. But the vine answered, Should I give up my wine, which cheers both gods and men, to hold sway over the trees? Finally all the trees said to the thorn bush, Come and be our king. The thorn bush said to the trees, If you really want to anoint me king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, then let fire come out of the thorn bush and consume the cedars of Lebanon. Now if you have acted honorably and in good faith when you made Abimelech king, and if you have been fair to Jeroboam and his family, if you have treated him as he deserves, and to think that my father fought for you, risked his life to rescue you from the hand of Midian, but today you have revolted against my father's family, murdered his seventy sons on a single stone, and made Abimelech, the son of his slave girl, king over the citizens of Shechem, because he is your brother. If then you have acted honorably and in good faith toward Jerubal and his family today, may Abimelech be your joy, and may you be his too. But if you have not, let fire come out of the out from Abimelech and consume you, citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo, and let fire come out from you, citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo, and consume Abimelech. Then Jotham fled, escaping to Beer, and he lived there because he was afraid of his brother Abimelech. After Abimelech had governed Israel three years, God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem, who acted treacherously against Abimelech. God did this in order to, in order that the crime against Jerubel's seventy sons, the, the shedding of their blood, might be avenged on their brother Abimelech and all the citizens of Shechem, who had helped him murder his brothers. In opposition to him, these citizens of Shechem sent men on the hilltops to ambush and rob everyone who passed by. This was reported to Abimelech. Now Gal, son of Ebed, moved with his brothers into Shechem, and his citizens put their confidence in him. After they had gone out into the fields and gathered their grapes and trodden them, they held a festival in the temple of their god. While they were eating and drinking, they cursed Abimelech. Then Gal, son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech, and who is Shechem, that we should just that we should be subject to him? Isn't Jerubel's son, and isn't Zebul his deputy, serve the men of Hammer, Shechem's father? Why should we serve Abimelech? If only this people were under my command, then I would get rid of him, and I would say to Abimelech, Call out your whole army. When Zebul, the governor of the city, heard what Gal, son of Ebed, said, he was very angry. Undercover, he sent messengers to Abimelech, saying, Gal, son of Ebed, and his brothers have come to the Shechem and are stirring up the city against you. Now then, during the night, you and your men should come and lie in wait in the fields. In the morning at sunrise, advance the city. When Gal and his men come out against you, do whatever your hand finds to do. So Abimelech and all his troops set out by night and took up concealed positions near Shechem in four companies. 
Now Gal, son of Ebed, had gone out and was standing at the entrance of the city gate, just as Abimelech and his soldiers came out from their hiding place. When Gal saw them, he said to Zebul, Look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. Zebul replied, You mistake the shadows of the mountains for men. But Gal spoke up again, Look, people are coming down from the center of the land, and a company is coming from the direction of the soothsayer's tree. Then Zebul said to him, Where is your big talk now? Who said, You, who said, Who is Abimelech, that we should be subject to him? Aren't these the men you ridiculed? Go out and fight them. So Gad let out the citizens of Shechem and fought Abimelech. Abimelech chased him, and many fell wounded in the flight, all the way to the entrance of the gate. Abimelech stayed in Arumbal, and Zebul drove Gal and his brothers out of Shechem. The next day the people of Shechem went out to the fields, and this was reported to Abimelech. So he took his men, divided them into three companies, and set an ambush in the fields. When he saw the people coming out of the city, he rose to attack them. Abimelech and the companies with him rushed forward to a position at the entrance of the city gate. Then two companies rushed upon those in the fields and struck them down. All that day Abimelech pressed his attack against the city until he had captured it and killed its people. Then he destroyed the city and scattered salt all over it. On hearing this, the citizens in the Tower of Shechem went into the stronghold of the temple of El-Berith. When Abimelech heard that they had assembled there, he and all his men went up Mount Zalman. He took an axe and cut off some branches, which he lifted to his shoulders. He ordered the men with him, Quick, do what you have seen me do. So all the men cut branches and followed Abimelech. They piled them against the stronghold and set it on fire over the people inside. So all the people in the tower of Shechem, about a thousand men and women, also died. Next, Abimelech went to the Thebes and besieged it and captured it. Inside the city, however, was a strong tower to which all the men and women, all the people of the city, fled. They locked themselves in and climbed up on the tower roof. Abimelech went to the tower and stormed it. But as he approached the entrance to the tower and set on fire, a woman dropped an upper millstone on his head and cracked his skull. Hurriedly, he called to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and kill me, so that they can't say a woman killed him. So his servant ran him through, and he died. When the Israelites saw that Abimelech was dead, they went home. Thus God repaid the wickedness that Abimelech had done to his father by murdering his seventy brothers. God made the men of Shechem pay for all their wickedness. The curse of Jotham, son of Jerobel, came on them. And that's chapter 9. Let me see, who is calling me? What's all these people doing? Let's see. No, no, no. Not gonna listen to this. One second. Oh, okay. Sorry, excuse me. Hmm. There's this thing. Okay. My battery is just gone on my phone. Sucks about this 
There goes phone. All right. I'd put it on the charger, but it's not available. Oh, all right. You know, during my dad's eulogy, it was really hard to get through. You know, talking about all the things he was to me, and, and I mean, in a way, to my sisters too, but. It's not easy. It's not easy talking about a parent who's gone on. It's not easy. Yeah, I did a good job. People came up to me and said it was great. And you know, I don't. I don't. I don't need people doing that. But there's a lot of awkwardness with a funeral. People feel the need to. To, uh, what's it called? Um, people can't sit in silence. You can't just sit in the in the morning, and I can. If, you ever, if you ever one of your friends has something tragic happen to them, read Job. His friends, when they were quiet, did an amazing job. And when they started speaking up, they did terrible. Be like Job's friends before they open their mouths. Chapter 10. After the time of Abimelech... I'm so tired of saying Abimelech. After the time of Abimelech, a man of Issachar, Tola, son of Pua, the son of Dodo, rose to save Israel. He lived in Shamir in the hill country of Ephraim. He led Israel 23 years, then he died, and he was buried in Shamir. He was followed by Jer of Gilead. Who led Israel 22 years? He had 30 sons who rode 30 donkeys. They controlled 30 towns in Gilead, which to this day are called Habath Jer. When he died, when Jer died, he was buried in Kaman. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the Baals and the Asheroths, and the gods of Aram, the gods of Sidon, and the gods of Moab, the gods of, Am- of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. Because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served him, he became angry with them. He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites, who that year shattered and crushed them. For 18 years they oppressed all the Israelites on the east side of the Jordan in Gilead, the land of the Amorites. Remember, the Israelites on the east side didn't include Reuben and I think part of um, Benjamin, I think. I don't know. We'll see. Definitely the Reubenites were on the... On the um, I'm going to say, hang on, no. You press all the other on the east side. Oh, so that is the Reubenites. The Ammonites also crossed the Jordan to fight against Judah, Benjamin, and the house of Ephraim. And Israel was in great distress. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord, We have sinned against you, forsaking our God and serving the Baals. The Lord replied, When the Egyptians, the Amorites, and the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, and the Amalekites, and the Maonites oppressed you, and you cried... To me for help. Did I not save you from their hands? But you have forsaken me and served other gods, so I will no longer save you. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them save you when you are in trouble. But the Israelites said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do with us whatever you think best, but please rescue us now. Then they got rid of the foreign gods among them and served the Lord, and the, and he could bear Israel's misery no longer. <sighs> when the Ammonites were called to arms and camped in Gilead, the Israelites assembled and camped at Mizpah. The leaders of the people of Gilead said to each other, 
Whoever will launch the attack against the Ammonites will be head of all those living in Gilead. Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You are not going to get any inheritance in our family, they said, because you are the son of another woman. So Jeph Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a group of adventurers gathered around him and followed him. Sometime later, when the Ammonites made war on Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Come, they said, be our commander so we could fight the Ammonites. Jephthah said to them, didn't you hate me and drive me away from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? The elders of Gilead said to him, Nevertheless, we are turning to you now. Come with us to fight the Ammonites, and you will be head over all who live in Gilead. Jephthah answered, Suppose you take me back to fight. The Ammonites and the Lord... Uh, excuse me. The, the Ammonites and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? The elders of Gilead replied, The Lord is our witness. We will certainly do as you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander over them. And he repeated all his words before the Lord of Mizpah. Then Jephthah sent messengers to the Ammonite king with the question, What do you have against us that you have attacked our country? The king of the Ammonites answered Jephthah's messengers, When Israel came up out of Egypt, they took away my land from the Arnon to the Jabbok, all the way to the Jordan. Now give it back peaceably. Jephthah sent back messengers to the Ammonite king, saying, This is what Jephthah says. Israel did not take the land of Moab, or the land of the Ammonites. But when they came up out of Egypt, Israel went through the desert to the Red Sea and on to Kadesh. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Give us permission to go through your country. But the king of Edom would not listen. They sent also to the king of Moab, and he refused. So Israel stayed in Kadesh. Next they traveled through the desert, skirted the lands of Edom and Moab, passed along the eastern side of the country of Moab, and camped on the other side of the Arnon. They did not enter the territory of Moab, for the Arnon was its border. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon, and said to him, Let us pass through your country to our own place. Sihon, however, did not trust Israel to pass through its territory. He mustered all his men and encamped at Jahaz and fought with Israel. Then the Lord, the God of Israel, gave Sihon and all his men into Israel's hands, and they defeated them. Israel took over all the land of the Amorites who lived in that country, capturing all of it from the Arnon to the Jabbok and the desert to the Jordan. Now, since the Lord of the God, uh, since the Lord, the God of Israel, has driven the Amorites out before his people, Israel, what right have you to take it over? Will you not take what your God Chemosh gives you? Likewise, whatever the Lord our God has given us, we will possess. Are you better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever quarrel with Israel or fight uh, with them? For 300 years Israel occupied Heshbon Aror and surrounding settlements and all the towns along the Arnon. Why didn't you retake them during that time? Just throw some away. Those were cokes. Um, I have not wronged you, but you are doing me wrong by waging war against me. Let the Lord, the judge decide the dispute this day between the Israelites and the Ammonites. The king of Ammon, however, paid no attention to the message Jeph Jephthah sent him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah and Gilead, 
And from there he advanced against the Ammonites, and Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. If you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Then Jephthah went over to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gave them into his hands. He devastated twelve, excuse me, twenty towns from Aurora to the vicinity of Minnith, as far as Abel Kerman. Thus Israel subdued Ammon. When Jephthah returned to his home in Mizpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of the tambourines? She was an only child, except for her and her, except for her he had neither son nor daughter. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and cried, "Oh, my daughter!" You made me miserable and wretched, because I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. My father, she replied, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me just as you promised, now that the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the Ammonites. But grant me this one request, she said. Give me two months to roam the hills and weep with my friends, because I will never marry. You may go, he said, and he let her go for two months. She and the girls went into the hills and wept, because she would never marry. After the two months, she returned to her father, and he did to her what he had vowed, and she was a virgin. I don't know why that's important. From this comes the Israelite custom that each year the young women of Israel go out for four days to commemorate the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite. I wonder what her name was. Let's see. Let's see. Where are we with time? Oh, geez, 10 minutes. Uh-oh. Chapter 12. The men of Ephraim called out their forces, crossed over the Zephon, and said to Jephthah, Why did you go to fight the Ammonites without telling, uh, without calling us to go with you? We're going to burn down your house over your head. Jephthah answered, I and my people were engaged in a great struggle with the Ammonites, and although I called, you didn't save me out of their hands. When I saw that you wouldn't help, I took my life in my hands and crossed over to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gave me the victory over them. Now why have you come up this day to fight me? Jephthah then called together the men of Gilead and fought against Ephraim. The Gileadites struck them down because the Ephraimites had said, You Gileadites are renegades from Ephraim and Manasseh. The Gileadites captured the fords of the Jordan leading to the Ephraim, and whenever a survivor Ephraim said, Let me cross over, the men of Gilead asked him, Are you an Ephraimite? He replied, No. They said, All right. Said, All right. Say, and this is interesting, if you're not an Ephraimite, say Shibboleth. If he said Sibboleth, because he could not pronounce the word correctly, they seized him and killed him at the fords of the Jordan. Forty-two thousand Ephraimites were killed that day. Jephthah led Israel six years, and Jephthah the Gileadite died, and he was buried in a town in a town in Gilead. After him, Ib- Ibzon of Bethlehem led Israel. He had thirty sons and thirty daughters. He gave his daughters away in marriage, marriage to those outside his clan, and for his sons he brought in thirty young women as wives from outside his clan. Ibzan led Israel seven years, then Ibzan died, and he was buried in Bethlehem. After him, Elon, the Zebulonite, led Israel ten years, then Elon died and was buried in Aijalon, in the land of Zebulon. After him, Abdon, son of Hillel, from Pirathon, led Israel. He had forty sons and thirty grandsons, who rode on seventy donkeys. He led Israel eight years, then Abdon, son of Hillel, died and was buried at, at Parathon in Ephraim, in the hill country of the Amalekites. And that is, I think, chapter 12. We will 
take over the Samson next. I don't know if we'll finish the entire Samson story. There's so much to unpack. Shibboleth was actually um, one of my favorite TV shows. It's called West Wing, the West Wing. And I'm just rolling up the window, that's why I'm turning it on. And there's a scene in it where the president need to, needs to see whether or not these Chinese illegal, undocumented immigrants um, are really Christian, um, Christian, like, I don't want to say runaways, but they're, um, they're hurt very badly in China because of their Christianity. And, uh, the, um, the president's trying to figure out whether they're faking it or not, because people fake it all the time to try and, um, try and, uh, get, get into the United States from all over the, the world, China especially, because they don't allow Christianity there. And so he, he was asking the leader of the group, you know, about whether or not they're believers. And, and the, the leader said, well, you can't really test for faith. But faith is like the, it's like a shibboleth. He said it right. And uh, the president realized he really was a, a uh, believer and that he'd read the Bible. This, that's a very abstract part of the Bible. Uh, between the, uh, between uh, those two warring clans. Anyways, it's 2.42. I've got to go pick up uh, the three boys. Then I'm going to pick up the daughter. And then we're going to go home and work. So uh, I love you all very much. And I'm very proud of you. And in everything you do, do it for the kingdom and the king. You are my confidence. Jesus, I come, Jesus, I come. I will rise and stand redeemed.